Hi, and welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Flavor, a podcast that kind of talks about kink and sober life and everything in between what that might look. Today, I am going all the way to Sweden, and uh, my guest today is Miguel. Hi, Miguel. Hey, how are you? I'm very well, and you? Uh, everything's going well. Yeah, great. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to, you know, to be here with you. Fantastic. Like with every episode I do, I start with four standard questions and then we'll just see where the conversation goes. Okay, perfect. Uh, what do you prefer I call you name, pronouns and title? Uh, you can call me Miguel and then you can do he or him. So yeah, that's the best way. And no, no titles? No, 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 not yet. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Okay, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Miguel. I was born in Madrid uh, 42 years ago. Um, I am a, I'm a civil engineer, so that's my background. I studied civil engineer because my, my, my grandfather was driving uh, trains. And I was fascinated how, you know, how the speed trains works. Also, when we started the first high-speed train in Spain between Madrid and Sevilla. So I was like, hmm, I want to, I want to, you know, to learn that. Uh, and then I was working in Spain for um, until 2013 when the crisis came, and then I, I moved to Sweden. So I moved to Sweden ten years ago. Uh, two years ago, I got my my Swedish nationality. So I'm both Spanish and Swedish. So um, I mean, I, I'm I'm I mean, I'm part of the Swedish culture right now. Uh, I speak the language, so and I, I I'm really happy to be here in Scandinavia. Okay, thank you. Fantastic, fantastic. Completely sober, clear-headed, or social drinker? Uh, sober, when you mean in terms of alcohol and drugs, or is it just alcohol? How well, do you mean? Um, more in, in relation to, do you socially drink, or are you completely don't touch anything at all? Uh, well, I drink. Sometimes I drink. Um, not, not really often. Um, if I drink, maybe just socially, I just maybe just drink a glass of wine when I have with friends uh, on a gathering. Uh, last time I was I was drunk was on a plane to Washington. I like I like to drink to drink sometimes, you know, when when there's less oxygen, I would say. But normally I don't I don't drink alcohol because um, my grandfather died of, of cancer with the kidneys, and and then when I, I after doing a lot of CrossFit and also doing some um, changed behaviors in my food, I took some analysis and they checked my kidneys. And they they check that they were processing the filtering the water uh, like an old old eighty old year old man. So the doctor told me you should never drink. So yeah, that's that's what I basically I'm not I'm not drinking alcohol. Well, that that's a good reason to kind of stay away from it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what is clear play to you, and why is it important? Clear in what sense? Clear play that can be sexual or day to day life, whatever it might. Why, why, why might it be important to you when you play that you don't drink or you don't use drugs? Uh huh. Okay. Um, I think it's because I really like to enjoy the moment with the person I'm with. Uh, I think for me it's important that both us are in the same, I would say, mental stage, and. I don't believe that you really need drugs or alcohol to have this sexual connection with someone. Uh, I think naturally human beings, they can be together and have a lot of passion, a lot of entertainment, a lot of fun. 
especially you know I I love joining Leathersex for example, and um and you know I met a different couple of I uh, have different different leather couples and I I really enjoy sex with them. So I don't I don't really need to take anything as a supplement to enjoy my sexual life. I also I'm I think also I'm I kind of scared of of trying or testing it because you know I, I'm a kid born in the 80s and I, I remember doing a lot of sports since since I was a kid. And then I see some drug uh people that were using drugs, they were jumping to the uh, sport facility. And you know, we have a fountain when we drink water there. And they used to, you know, they used to clean their needles and they used to, uh, so it was kind of, you know, for me as a kid, I was kind of scared. My parents like, hey, be careful with that. So since then I, I was like, don't touch that world. So that's why I've never been there. Well, that's a good place to be. It's just like you you have your boundaries on that and, and you know what you like and you can do that sober and it's it's a very good place to be. If I'd if I'd been that clever a couple of years back, maybe I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in now. Um so you're from Spain. Mm-hmm. So what what made you move to Sweden for, um, for work, I'm assuming? Yeah, no, that's not the reason. Um, the reason was 2013, we have an economical crisis in Spain. And, uh, you know, it was, I was seeing a lot of my friends losing their jobs. Um, so I, I, I remember I, I was in the office one day and I saw a lot of a pile of paper. And then a friend, you know, a work colleague was just passing those papers. And I was like, what, what are you doing? And he told me, well, these are CVs. It's like, we're looking for an engineer in uh, in Angola. And I was like, wow. I mean, he told me uh, around 900 people, they send me their CVs. So I was thinking, what's going to happen to me if I ever get fired now in 2013? Mm. So I was I was with a friend, a really good friend. Uh, he he was working for a, for a company. And then he invited me to go to Jordan because he was there. So I was in in Jordan, in Jordan and I, I were I were drinking wine, <laughs> I seeing the sunset in Wadi Rum, and it was a beautiful atmosphere. And I was thinking, what's going to happen? Because I'm a, a long-term thinker, so it's, I'm I'm not a person that I just thinking in the moment. I'm thinking, you know, a couple of years ahead. And it's like, what's going to happen to you, Miguel, if you're fired right now? Because there are 900 CVs there, and you need to compete against them. And I said, I'm going to move to Sweden. So 15 days later, I was fired from my work. And then I said to my manager, okay, great. I'm going to move to Sweden. And then my manager said to me, you will never succeed in Sweden. And I said, well, you, you will see. You, you, I mean, you have to see that. That's, that's not true. I mean, this is your perspective, but you don't know me. And because I'm you know, I'm quite a determined person. So I, I moved to Sweden in 2013 with a small uh, bicycle from Madrid. So I, I just locked my apartment. I moved to Sweden with my bike. And then two weeks after my bicycle was stolen from the no, Because I, I was about to say having a bicycle in Sweden or any Scandinavian country is like a must. So it that's- is. And you know, I was like, how it's possible they're they are stealing a bicycle to a Spaniard? It should be the other way around. We should steal, you know, bicycles, <laughs> not the other way around. So. Yeah, that's that's what I moved to Sweden, and then um, it was the first year was extremely complicated, I would say. So how how have you found it like working and living in Sweden compared to like back in Spain? 
Well, I mean, this, this is completely different type of organizations. I mean, Spain is like really hierarchical organization. So basically the manager decides everything. And we have an extremely bad culture in Spain that is you need to be in the office really late when your manager is, until your manager is leaving. Hmm. So I remember once I was working in Spain uh, and then my manager came to my office because by that time I was learning German. And then he came to the office and then he said to me, hey, I came to the office at six and you have already left the office. And then he sent me an email at 10 at night just to tell me, hey, it's 10 a.m., 10 p.m., I'm still working, and you, lazy bastard, you left the office at 5.30, right? And then I replied to him, hey, this is how the project is going on, everything is going well, everything is under control, and then he replied me at 12. So basically, they use this type of management by fear, management by control, and they know there's a lot of uh, unemployment rate in Spain, so they are using fear to make people, you know, to work, I would say, or to stay in their jobs. Well, in Scandinavia, of course, we don't have like 20% unemployment rate by that time. Now we have like 13 in Spain, Scandinavia is about seven. And here the, the organization is completely flat. Mm. So I remember if I need to talk to my manager in Spain, I need to talk to the secretary. And then the secretary was booking me a meeting with my manager, something like that, right? Well, in Scandinavia, it's completely horizontal infrastructure, you know, organization. So when I moved to Sweden, I am also a manager in my actual company. So I was, I drive a team of, right now it's five, but before it was like 10 people. And I said, I will never have this type of management. So I use a lot of project management skills. So for example, you, I give them projects and I give them time. So for example, this project, you need to do it in two weeks. And then how you organize your time is up to you. If you want to work in the morning, in the evenings, if you you know if you want to go to the gym, I mean, it's, it's up to you. And this is a, a good way of getting more engagement of people. And, and, and also they have more commit to, to, to the work, I would say. So yeah, it's completely different styles, I would say. Oh yeah, I can definitely recognize from when I, lived in Denmark and the way we work and how you kind of management and the management style here and so on. There was definitely, definitely some opinion clashes when I moved here and about how things should work. Um, so I, I definitely recognize when you move country, it's very different. So were you already into lever when you lived in Spain? Is that something Sweden brought out? No, that's, that's not true. Uh, it's basically when I get my first job in Sweden. <laughs> So I, when I, when I get my job, my first job in Sweden, I was working for a company that we were printing banknotes. That's, that's a really interesting job because I was traveling around the world uh, with central banks and I, I really enjoyed working in that company. So that company was like 20, like 30 kilometers away from Stockholm. So I brought my car from Madrid to, uh, to Stockholm. And then by that time I have a boyfriend. So I drove from Madrid to Barcelona. From Barcelona, I took the boat to Genova in Italy. And then I drove all the way up to Milano. I picked him up in Milano and then we drove all to Germany. And then we stayed in Berlin. And then we were in Berlin. I, I bought my first harness. That, that but, is a popular choice as the first piece of kit. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, and I was kind of like scared, you know, going to the store and then, you know, I'm getting naked and then put the, the harness on. Uh, but I mean, I like it. Uh, and then I moved to Sweden. 
and then I met a guy here in in uh, in in, uh, in Sweden. So he was into leather, and then he he started letting me try his his you know his leather boots and his pants and all that stuff. And then it was like I was fascinated. I was like, yeah, I, I need to try this. I, I like this. And then you know the rest is history. Well, if if people after this when they're done listening or watching this episode go and check out Miguel's profile it's 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 very nice to look at there's definitely some really nice gear on there um and you you have like you you like the full like outfit with the big jacket and, and like proper bluff guy yeah i mean i have here my my my, my language jacket i can put it on if you want uh I think it's it's just a matter of um, I mean of course it gives you empowerment right mm. and it gives you like uh, you you feel like you know empowered you feel like you know you have the control of the situation and things like that right but in, in reality this is just an appearance and this is this is something that we're living now in the gay world is that everything is based on appearance it's like oh this this guy is hot this guy is nice uh, I should probably should approach him because he looks good, right? Mm. But in reality, it should be the other way around. This is just, this is just the beginning of, of, of the book, right? But you, you need to read insights. And this is the most important thing is that people, they should work on, on self-esteem and you know, work on yourself. And this is when the empowerment comes in, not the way you look. You know, because I mean, I am 170, and I, I remember when I started dating guys in Madrid, I remember I met a guy and then he was a really cute guy. And then he said, no, I don't like you because you're short. Huh. And then I said to him, well, you're from Argentina. That's even worse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to say, I mean, I have also family in Argentina, but I was, you know, that time it was like, hey, I mean, he's refusing me because I'm short, right? And at the end it was like, well, I cannot do anything about that, right? That's the way I was born. Mm. Uh, of course, there is some things that you can change. Of course, you can go to the gym or you can eat more healthy food or you can stop drinking alcohol. So, you know, to more or less to, 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 to feel better, right? The best investment that you can do in life is, is investing in yourself. Uh, it's just knowing about yourself, setting your boundaries, your limits, be surrounded by, by people you, you uh, give you good energy, uh, people that love you. And I would say, you know, nice people that also make you grow and learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's important to surround yourself with good energy and good people, especially when we go on the kink scene where it can be quite heavy on, like, for example, alcohol and drugs and so on, where sometimes it can be a bit um, aggressive in, in the scene. Sometimes you like that aggression. Absolutely. that That is a part of bdsm and stuff like that but it's all all has to be in healthy levels so um you say in your little text that you like sport healthy living um cooking and traveling yeah so if people look at your profile they can definitely say well your profile is literally called lever underscore crossfit yep so you are into crossfit when when did you get into that well, the reason I joined CrossFit is uh, I had a friend in Barcelona and he's, he's a doctor. And I, you know, I met him in Barcelona, really sweet guy, uh, not master at all. 
And then I lost contact with him for a couple of months. And then two months later, I saw him on Instagram, like, boom, explosion. And I was like, what? And then I say, hey, Christian, what have you done? I say, oh, I'm, I'm doing CrossFit. I say, hey, I need to try that. Uh, so then I joined one CrossFit here in Stockholm. And I remember it was like, you know, there's no machines. There's just kettlebells and, you know, and rags and, and barbells. And I was like, I, I mean, this cannot be too complicated. So then the, I, I remember the coach said, okay, just pick up the 20 kilos bar. So I put it in my bag and then, oh, you go up. And then, oh, I mean, I couldn't go up with a barbell basically. And then he said, okay, now you need to put weight. I said, what? Even more weight on top of that? So, and I remember uh, the first week when I was doing CrossFit in Sweden, it was extremely, you know, extremely painful. I have, I, I basically couldn't sit on the toilet because I have sore muscles everywhere. So I, I I've, to... I've, I've, I've seen that the meme pictures were just like three days after leg day and you're just like, not can't, no. you can't get onto the toilet. Yeah, that's correct. And I remember, you know, in Sweden, if you get like, if you book a class, but then you don't go to the class, then you need to do a hundred burpees. Right. So I was like, I need to go to that class. I mean, I was extremely exhausted on Saturday, but I said, I need to go to the class because I don't want to do a hundred burpees. So then I went to the class and I was like, move. And I was like, well, maybe that's not too complicated. But then this move was, you need to run two kilometers. Then you need to do a hundred pull-ups. Then you have to do 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and then run two kilometers. Jeez, I'm, I'm just getting tired of like you telling me about that. That's a so lot. I did, it, I did it like 34 minutes, so it was quite good. But then I got fever after after the class. I was completely exhausted. But I mean, I do, you know, sometimes I work from Gran Canarias because my ex has a bungalow there. So I, I go there and then I have a really good atmosphere going into the into the CrossFit. You, you have good friends. And then through a friend in Gran Canarias, she also introduced me, introduced me to a nutritionist. Uh, and then, you know, these guys start checking how much food should I eat because I, I didn't have control. So then it's a combination of sport, food, and healthy life, I would say, because you are the one who need to take care of yourself. Now, mm. nobody can take care of yourself, right? Yeah, it's, it's I've, I've, <laughs> I've said all year, since January, I've kind of like, I need to get back to the gym. I need to get back to the gym. Still have not made it back to the gym, but it is on the cards eventually. It's just more the motivation, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, I, it's also, I'm struggling sometimes to get motivation, okay? But I mean, you get, you get endorphins, you get dopamine after going to the gym. And my recommendation is not to go, because if you go to the gym, it's quite boring. I mean, you basically put in your, you know, your music and then you do, you know, you do this or that or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, if you, go, if you go to CrossFit, it's just 45 minute pass. Usually the, the work of the day, maybe sometimes is just 12 minutes, nine minutes, but nightmare nine minutes okay but i mean you see everybody is suffering like you see like i mean she's going to die but you you cannot stop because everybody's in the same shit so my recommendation is to go to classes when you see pain around you it's my, very my, very it's very it's it's very close to like fetish life you go to a club and you kind of want to see someone get flogged and so on so it's a little bit the same the same like sadomasochism Mm -hmm. that, that, that's correct that's a similarity there right so how how, how many years have been you do, been doing crossfit then i started 2016 
Uh, and then right now I'm doing combination between CrossFit and also I do gym. In the summer in Scandinavia, I do a swim run. So it's just swim, run, swim, run, swim, run. Uh, I also do yoga uh, just for stretching. I do at home sometimes meditation. And I discover something that is great that is called hail breathe. So basically you go into, um, it's just really close to my place. It's, it's just a place when you are sleeping for 45 minutes or one hour, and then you start breathing, like inhale for three, four, five minutes, something like this. And then you start holding your breath for three, three minutes more or less. And then you start like dreaming and seeing things weird in your, in your brain. And, I, and then you, you get extremely relaxed after the class. So there are so, when some people, they say, I need to drink alcohol or take drugs, you know, to, to, uh, to feel better. You know, in the, you have the solution in yourself. Mm. There are things like you can, you can run in the park, you can have a walk, you can masturbate. This is also an, a way of, of releasing, you know, tension. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to these type of classes, you can do meditation. Uh, there's extremely a lot of mechanisms that human beings we have. I remember, for example, when I was stressed in Madrid, I mean, I get really relaxed when I was taking a language lessons. So I studied German for seven years and then Swedish in Madrid. Mm -hmm. And it for me, it was like realization to learn a new language. But you, you need to find, you know, your... Um, I would say your your way of escaping. Well, yeah, it's like exercise. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that when you do exercise, endorphins, and you can even get a natural high from running or so on. As as, as recovering addicts, especially like someone like me, something that will release endorphins and and relax the brain and and so on is so important. And and you can get these natural things that the body generates itself. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I would say that's my recommendation. Of course, there is also, I mean, there are medication that can support you on that. And mm -hmm. also you can go on therapy if you, if you need, you know, extra help. Um, and also, you can also take some life coach sessions. And another thing, it could be just also reading a book. And, you know, read, because the more information you have, the better you can understand yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You need to, it's like dating. When you go dating and meet other people, Sometimes we just go into the jungle and you don't know what's going on, right? And this is a huge mistake, from my opinion. You need to have your tools. You need to see your red flags. You need to be aware of what's going on, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's probably, I'm, I'm not taking drugs, so I don't know how that works. But I mean, you if you are informed, if you know the consequences, and for example, if you go to schools and then you teach people, hey, these are the consequences, this is how you're gonna feel, then people, they have more information, right? Because most of the time it's because you don't have information and then you just try just for fun, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can probably get into something worse, right? I think information is, is, is the key. Oh, information is always crucial. It's, it's, it's very important to manage all that and, and, and make sure you have the tools to keep a healthy life. Um, you mentioned dating. Um, you're single, right? Yeah, I'm single. Um, any any potential partners on the horizon, or are you just happy single? No, I, I don't have any any potential um, candidates right now. So if, if any, anybody wants to send me the CV, <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will I will take it. I'm just I'm just reading a lot about dating, 
and I'm also writing a book about dating. Uh, okay. With all the learnings, and I think it's it's quite interesting because sometimes you understand like, okay, I make this mistake. I could have done this in a different way. I should probably leave this this situation sit earlier. You know, so I think it's, it's it's a good way. You know, the more information you have, the better. So you're writing a book. Yep. So when when is this book coming out, or is it just something that's more in your spare time? And then I'll... I mean, I'm using, of course, my spare time to 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 write the book with all the learnings, and also I decided to write this book because um, when I moved to Sweden and I I met my ex, he he was dating a guy for for uh, I think a year and a half or almost two years. And then it nothing started going well. He started feeling really bad. And then after that, he went into depression for three years. Mm -hmm. And he was on medication and everything. And then we were we were hiking. We, we have an extremely good relationship together. And a year ago, we were hiking in, in, uh, in Gotland. And I know him for 10 years. But then he told me, hey, Miguel, I basically lost five years of my life because of that situation. And it was painful for me. And then I said, hey, we, I also suffer, you know, everybody has suffered from breakups and they're extremely painful. And I remember 10 years ago, I, I was dating a guy and then it took me one year to recover after that breakup. And it was extremely painful. Mm. And it was like, why this happened to me? So now it's like, now it's time to understand why this had happened. So then I started reading, gathering information and then making my own conclusions. So I'm, I'm writing a lot because when you go dating, the first thing that you need to do, the homework is self-esteem. Mm. That's basic. Because when you have a good self-esteem, you can set your limits. And then to say, hey, I'm not going to accept this. But if you go into a lower self-esteem, then you accept things that you're not okay with. And then you get into this down spiral that the other person is taking more power than you feel down here, right? And then it's extremely hard to go up and recuperate the, the you know, the self-esteem and the control of the relationship. It's it's very important, especially like, I'll just come back to like recovering addicts. When we start dating and so on, there's a lot of, you have to do a lot of healing first before you go into dating. Because I, I think someone explained to me very well, if you go into a relationship imagine you both have plates you have to merge your dinner plates but if you both have broken dinner plates it's not going to work you can't build a dinner plate set together if you're bringing broken dinner plates so you have to fix them first that either with glue or buy new ones depending on <laughs> which route you go but it, it's just because if you if you go in like you mentioned if, if you go in with self-esteem down here and they are up there you, you it's not going to work. You don't have to be perfect, of course. Every no, we're not keep perfect. working on yourself, but if you kind of you have to build yourself up before you start dating. I've definitely made those mistakes in the past. Yeah, I mean, everybody has made mistakes, you know, on on dating. And sometimes you date the, the, the wrong person, and then uh, sometimes you stay longer in a situation that you should have lived before, right? But sometimes mm -hmm. when you stay longer than you should be, then you start feeling bad. Then you start feeling, you know, with anxiety, like what's going on with me, why I did something wrong, why this guy doesn't like me. And then you start thinking, questioning yourself, like what's wrong with me? What I've done wrong, right? And then you're still, your self-esteem goes, goes down. But the most important thing after doing this research of love, 
I would say, Rob, is that one thing that we need to distinguish is, okay, what is love? Love is like, oh, I can love you a lot because I mean, you're an amazing guy. You have a lot of, you know, you're sexy. You're cool to be with. I mean, I enjoy being with you. That's one thing. That's my side from my side to you. But the other thing is like, how do I feel when I am with you? And this is why you need to check, in my personal opinion, that's the most important thing to check. It's like, do I feel great with this guy? Do I feel, do I feel safe? Do I trust this person? Then it's like, okay, this is a guy where I can establish a relationship. Or do I have anxiety? Do I feel sad? Do I feel don't seen? Cannot be expressed myself? Do I have to, I'm walking on eggshells? Then that's the reality and this is why you you probably need to check right instead of just i love that person so much no it's like how this person make me feel when i'm with that person that would be my advice oh it's i've definitely hung out with people where i was like they're really lovely but they don't make me feel comfortable or um at like you say eggshells I've definitely been in, in relationships where I do feel a little bit like I walk on eggshells because I don't want to upset the person or, mm -hmm. and so on. That That is either something to do with them or something to do with me. It, it can go both ways when you feel like that. With any relationship, communication is so important and you kind of have to just be honest. Yeah, I mean, communication is, is the key for everything. I mean, communication is just, first you need to be vulnerable to talk about your feelings. So that has to be a component of emotional maturity when you talk about yourself and you understand the other person. The other thing, I think for me, love is based on three pillars. One is emotional ma maturity when you can you know, express yourself, talk about feelings and be vulnerable. The other thing is emotional connection like values and you both of you have the same point of view in life and you want to go in the same direction. And the third pillar is sex because if sex is missing in the relationship, you're going to look for it outside the relationship, right? Mm, yeah. If you don't have emotional connection with your partner, you're going to feel alone in the relationship. And then it's, it's not going to work because then you start wondering why I'm staying here. This person doesn't listen to me or I don't feel her, her right? Mm. And, you know, sometimes when you, you give feedback to someone, I always say always to my team, I said, feedback is one of the best tools the human beings we have for growing even if we don't like it sometimes feedback sometimes it's like positive feedback like hey you've done a great job but sometimes the feedback is negative i, yeah. I also receive negative feedback many times in my life and then i start questioning why this person is saying that to me but then after a while i start thinking i like yeah that's true i can grow i can learn i shouldn't do this mistake anymore and this is when you grow when you move from one point into another. That's my point of view, at least. No, it's it's all valid point of views. Very, very true. Some, sometimes you will. Sometimes when we hear the word, when someone makes criticisms of you, you think, oh, it's negative and you've done something wrong. It's like, no, no, it's not necessarily you've done some, something wrong. You may not have performed to the quality you should have, but a criticism or someone being negative about your work is and also can also be an opportunity of learning and so on the same with a relationship is an opportunity to learn if someone brings something up well you do this and this makes me feel this way well then you take that on and you see if we can work on it or like any relationship there's compromises as well so it's 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 all about growing as well 
relationships. So we talked about relationships and red flags and so on. How is it dating when you're into lover? How are you finding that? How will that be a part of the book? Uh, well, the book is just for myself and for my friends at the beginning. Uh, let, let's see. Um, no, it's, it's not It's not about leather because I think if you just limit it just to leather, um, I think it, it, it probably you're missing, you know, a lifetime partner if you just focus mm. on that, right? But I mean, this is something, it's, it's a question that I'm, I'm answering or trying to answer. Uh, should I just go for a partner who is not into leather or should I just find a partner who is into leather? Mm. I think from my perspective, I think it would be great if he's into the same thing because then something is going to be out, something's going to be missed, right? And then it's like, are you going to go to this party and then he's not going to join you? Or it's like, I like this type of type of sex and then you are more into vanilla and then, you know. But I think as everything in relationships, everything can be negotiated. Sometimes this is, this is often, we, with your partner, you're sometimes you're scared of telling him, I like this in bed. And mm -hmm. then right there, just you met someone and then just start talking and say, hey, I like this, this, this and that quite, quite easily. I yeah. think we should do that. The exercise of if you if you have a partner that you really like and you really enjoy and you really take care of, I think you should be open and transparent and say, hey, this is this is also part of my life that I would love to enjoy with you. And I think I think it's a compliment if, if that person can learn from you and then you can also learn from that person. Right. Because. Sometimes the more, you know, different opposite person like you, at the end is the person that you learn the most, I would say, in life, right? So I think we need to be, you need, you need, you need to be open and transparent. So now when I meet someone, I, they say, hey, can you send me pictures? Yeah, I send pictures also in leather. So mm. they, don't, they don't get shocked. Yeah. So I think that's prefer to bring the story at the beginning of the story, not just at the end, right? It's it's for, for me, for example, when if, if I'm going to date anyone, I kind of mm -hmm. have to be upfront with the lever, but I also have to be upfront with the fact that I'm in recovery because there is just a very hard boundary that I can't date someone who does any hard drugs whatsoever because I know what my brain does and it will romanticize that for me because then I'll start things like, okay, he's doing this when I'm not there. Maybe I should join in, blah, 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 and all this. So it's just a very hard boundary. So I tend to ask the question quite quickly. It's like, what is your view on drugs? It's like, oh, I dabble, fine, no judgment, but then we won't date. We can have sex if you don't do drugs whilst you're around me, but mm -hmm. we can't date because there's nothing... If they still if they still need that on occasion, there's just not something I can build anything on. The, the, the only one who can protect yourself is you, Ralph, right? Mm, yes. And you, you need to set your boundaries in life, what is good and what is not good for you. And then you, you, you've been there, right? You, you've been there. And then you know how difficult probably is to leave from there, right? So there's like, I tried and I don't want to be there. So that's why it's good from the beginning you establish your, mm. your boundaries. And this is, this is something that I'm, I'm writing in the book. It's just sometimes, and that happened to me two times in my life, is when you start a relationship just based on sex or like when chemistry is extremely good, then you start having a lot of dopamine. You have a lot of you know, excitement with that person. And then you don't see the red flags, right? Because it's like, oh, the sex is so great. 
I love this person to be part of my life and I want to, to you know to establish something, you know, a future together. Mm. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I did it in the past. I learned the lesson. Right now, I go, I meet the people first. Yeah. I I I, I never met that person at home. I just have a walk and then I I try to understand, you know, if that person is emotionally mature, if he's a nice guy. What is his values? What is he looking for? And you know, and this is this is for me a way of you know protecting yourself. And this is what you're also doing. Like, hey, those are my limits. I'm not gonna cross them. So mm. it's better to pick them up from, right? Yeah, it's 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 so important to kind of like, okay, this is this is a hard boundary. This is something that has to be respected. For any any recovering addict, it is so important to just keep yourself safe. Because it just takes that one slip up and then you're down the rabbit hole again. I've, I've turned six years sober and 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 I don't want to, I, even if I had a slip up, I'm not going to lose the six years because I still have the six years. But there's just a lot of damage that comes with not respecting my own boundaries and not keeping myself safe when it comes to at least dating. Um and and I do want to date. I am also getting to a point where it's like I'm I'm 40 next year. Um, I would like a partner. Uh, I would also like a kinky partner. But it's it like you say, you kind of have to be open to like see what's out there. Because as I've said this to many other recovery, especially kinky recovering addicts, it's like our pool seems to get smaller and smaller because we're we're gay, so that's already quite small. And then we're into kink. So that makes it smaller. And then you're a recovering addict. So there's a whole boundary there, even smaller. So it's like, how the fuck do you find them? Well, one option is to meet someone who is not into leather and then bring him into leather. That could be one option. You know, in dating, I would say, it's like you are like a, you are in the ocean with your small boats and then trying to meet other small boats and then see what's going on. But of course, there are pirates in the ocean, so never go into the pirates or never go to a yacht that is, you know, fancy because something is going to be off there, right? Um, well, it's it's kind of that saying that love does blind. You mentioned that that earlier. You kind of, if you, you, you can go full throttle with both feet first and you kind of, is like, oh, I love him. The sex is amazing. He's just a lovely person. But you, yeah, you just ignore all the red flags and the compromises you're doing in that relationship because love does blind. And I've definitely been in relationships where I have been a bit blind to some of the stuff that happens in the relationship, uh, where you only really notice it afterwards. And it's like, yeah. You know, in life, usually, uh, we usually measure when you have a success in life, you never look back because this is how the way should be, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I got this job. Oh, I got this promotion. I got this. Oh, that's because I, I worth it. I deserve it, right? But when you go into something in life that is like, it's not going so well for you, or then you hit rock bottom, then you, I think for me, has been the most, painful but growing time in my life i've learned so much from those situations and i'm a completely different person for example when i moved to sweden and i, I didn't have a job and i ended up working as a, as a tour guy in stockholm and then one day because i didn't have any job so i, I worked on a, on a conference with doctors 
So they said, oh, we need two models. So I was basically naked with my underwear on a table, me and a girl from Colombia. So then the doctors, they come into the room and then they need to scan us with, you know, with a sensor and then to see all the, yeah. So everybody was going to her because, you know, she has big boots and, you know, she was really attractive. And then to me, it was coming a really old woman, you know, touching my body. And I remember sitting there, I was like, Miguel, you studied seven years in the university. You speak English, you speak German, you speak, I mean, you are a skilled professional and you're sitting here on a table touched by an old woman. What, what's wrong with you, right? What, what, then, what, where did I turn wrong? <laughs> yes, it's like what I did wrong in my life to be here, right? And in those moments is that when you learn the most in your life. And it's like, okay, I've been there, but I don't want to be there anymore, right? Mm, yeah. It's the same for you. I mean, okay, I've been there. I, I was not happy probably, and I feel miserable, and my life was going in, in, in not in the right direction. And it's like, I need to protect myself. So that's why you need to date people that they have, you know, the same values as you and, this, this, you know, the same objectives. And, you know, we are, we are in the 40s. I'm 42. And I also, in my, the middle of my life, so that's when I'm looking for a partner. It's like, I also want to, you know, to how do I want to spend the rest of my life with? And it's like, I want to have a partner so I can take care of him. We can grow. We can learn, we can travel together, we can have a nice life, we can enjoy sex together. And you know, it's like to have a rock by you who is who is supporting you and also help you. And in, in love, you need to be smart to whom you let go in, into your life. Mm. Because depending on that, I would say a lot of happiness can bring into your life if you if you choose the right, the right partner. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned travel. And then you also yeah. mentioned that in your text. What is your favorite travel destination? Well, I mean, I've been to 67 countries. Oh, geez. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, I feel slightly... I, I used to travel quite a lot in my 20s, but I don't think I've been to that many countries. Well, I mean, I, I spend most of my money traveling because I think it's, it's a good investment. You know, a country that I, I really have a special memory is Iceland because... That happened. I went there on during my birthday, 2010, when the volcano exploded. So I bought the tickets in February before knowing the volcano was going to explode. So I was there with my parents, and it was beautiful. I mean, they, they didn't have any trees in the in the whole country, but it's the nature. I mean, if you like waterfalls, if you like nature, if you like hiking, if you like ice, if you like good food, I mean, Iceland is is a country that is is completely different. I would recommend to go there. If you recommend me a city to go. I would say Rio de Janeiro. Oh, it's one of my favorite because it's it's the location where is 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 the you know you go to Ipanema you can go hiking into Deutsche Mice, these two uh, mountains. Uh, it's like people in the beach. They are extremely friendly, good food, good atmosphere. So I think those two places. Uh, I mean, of course, there are many interesting countries too. I mean, I remember Indonesia is also a really nice country to travel because it's it's, it's really easy. Mm. Uh, Japan, I would say, is completely different than you have seen in the rest of the world. I can't say that I would never go, but I was there for work three times. It was India, no, for me. Uh, Norway, I mean, we have it here. Uh, mm. Extremely nice too, the nature. So, yeah. So, so where do you think that the? It feels a little bit like you have a bit of a love for the Nordic countries, where it's it's quite dark and cold and sometimes very wet. 
um, coming from Spain, where it's it's quite hot in the summer and so on. How come you you kind of levitate towards those countries? You know, that's an explanation. As everything in life, I was I was thirteen years old, and I was uh, I was watching the TV and I was watching the Lillehammer Winter Games. Yes. Uh, so in 1992, we have the Olympics in Barcelona. So for us, it was like, you know, the best promotion of the, of the country. Like, we can organize Olympic Games in Spain. Then it was the Lillehammer Winter Games. And I, I was inspired by, you know, the Norwegian television show in the fjords, the Midnight Sun, you know, the uh, how the, they were building the, you know, the, the venues for the Olympics. And that inspired me uh, to be it's like, I want to be in the Olympics, too. So eight years later, or six years later, I applied to be a volunteer in Salt Lake City, Winter Games, 2002. I was, about uh, that time, I was 19 or 18. And, uh, and I remember I went to the, because I didn't have, a, I applied in my interview on telephone. I sent letters. I went to the police to see my criminal reports. And then I need a place to stay in Utah because, you know, I, by that time there was no internet, no, no Facebook. So mm. like, how do I find a place in Utah. So I went to the Mormon church. Wow. <laughs> then I met a Mormon, and this Mormon introduced me to his family. And then I could make my dream come true. So sometimes in life, we think that you have a glass that is not able to break. And that's not true. We, the human beings, were more capable of what we want to do. So I went to, to Salt Lake City to make my dreams come true, to be part of the Olympic Games. And that's why it also inspired me to move to Scandinavia. So I didn't want to go to Norway because I was waiting to go to Norway for, for my, my, when I get married. So I was put in Norway, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I decided to move to, to, to Sweden because I have a good friends in, in, in Stockholm. And I also was learning Swedish when I was in Madrid. So that was the reason. And I fell in love with, with Stockholm because I, my, my ex-boyfriend, he was a pilot. So he was doing a training here in, in Orlando. And then we traveled together across uh, uh, Sweden. So we were in Stockholm and we traveled all the way south to, to Skåne. And then we went to Copenhagen. And, and I have good memories of, of Sweden. So it's like, if I lose my job, I'm going to move to Stockholm. And that's what I did. Well, Stockholm is a beautiful city. It's it's it, because of like all the water there it just feels very like when you're walking through the city and you have all the lakes and so on it feels well it all it is really extremely clean there because recycling is like on the agenda for the swedes quite a lot um so it's it's absolutely beautiful city to go to visit to be warned if you take a flight there you may end up in an airport that's an hour and a half outside sweden which i did last time i was there you went to Vesteros, so you went to yes um when when i went there this is many 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 years ago this must be 2010 i was it was the uh, last event i did of my title year as mr europe and I was hosted by SLM in Sweden, Scandinavian Levermen. And the day I was going home, I missed the bus out to the airport. Oh, so yeah, trying yeah. to call around to different clubs men members to find someone who didn't drink last night was a bit of a task. But I made my flight. I got home. But it was very stressful trying to figure yeah. that out. That, that happened to me last uh, winter. I was traveling six six months, no, six weeks in, in Latin America. 
and I was in Argentina and I was in, I thought the I was going to go with my parents to uh, Cataratas de Iguazú. And then we we're going to fly from Aeroparque. Aeroparque is by, by Buenos Aires. And then I, I couldn't see the flight on the panel. And it's like, wait a moment, the flight is from a fair. So I need to, you know, to take a taxi because it was a Sunday at 7 a.m. in the morning. Otherwise, I, I couldn't make it. So your first piece of lever was a harness. Yeah, but I, I, I that, but that's not my favorite. There's, I was about to ask the question, what is your favorite piece of lever? I would say the best. Yeah, I, I haven't used the harness for, for years, I would say. So, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm lying now because I went to Berlin to Folsom and then Ra, Ra took, me, took me a couple of sexy pictures and then he put me some uh, harness on top of him just to take the picture. So it was, uh, it was fun, but it was not mine. It was not yours, but the vest is, is your favorite. Yeah, I think so. Well, you, you look great in your gear, and, and I, I love seeing the pictures on, on Instagram when, when you post your pictures, especially when you have the full jacket on and so on. You also have like a, a big fetish for cigar smoking as well, which is... Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think it's... it's sex. I mean, I'm not a smoker. Well, so this I... is this is the thing, is because... You, you you have the, the CrossFit bit, which is like really, really healthy and healthy living and so on. And then there's the opposite side where you're really into cigars and leather. Yeah, I think I think it's, I don't know. I think it was, I saw like a video or something many years ago and I was like, wow, that's that's so sexy to, to do it and to try. So I'm not, I'm not a smoker, but then I have a good friend in, in the US. And then one day online, he told me, I need to teach you how to smoke because you don't know how to do it. Uh, so I think it's, it's because of the look, but not, not because of the, because I'm, I'm not a smoker. I mean, I, I'm quite clean person and healthy, but yeah, of course I, I enjoy that fetish too. Coming to the end of the episode, um, if anyone's listened to this and they've connected with something you've said, um, where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I would say on Instagram, um, uh, uh, I don't know, my Instagram is, is, is leather underscore uh, crossfeeder. Uh, they can find me there. And, I, I, you know, I'm happy to share, you know, my, my personal experience with, with a, anyone. Um, I'm a, I'm, I love to listen and I love to grow and to understand other people. And I'm, I think also a, a warm person. Some, a couple of times in the last, I would say, four weeks, people they say, oh, I never talked to you because I, I got an impression that you were like a kind of like an arrogant or you could be kind of distant person or not warm person. And I, I'm totally the opposite. I'm a really caring and a great guy. So uh, yeah, feel free to contact me and to, to talk. It's, it's, I guess sometimes people see a certain look, like you have a fantastic physique there's there's not i it's it's not even me trying to do a compliment it's just a fact you, you look the way you look so some people can find that intimidating i yeah. definitely know when i wrote you i felt a little bit intimidated because it's i don't look like that um i've never looked like that i wish i did but it, i'm also like i also like cake too much um but yeah sometimes people can find it intimidating um so it's it's nice to, to know that it, I, I think a lot of, when I talk to people who have a certain body build and so on, they're normally really down to earth and, and it's completely opposite to what people think might they might be. Yeah, this, this is also connected to self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the other day I was here in Stockholm, I had a date with, with a guy 
of course, I mean, he, he, he's really sweet and it was not probably my type of physically guy, but I said, you know, you learn a lot from different human beings. And then we have a, it's supposed to be, because I do like Cinderella, one, one hour, 30 minutes, and then I go home because I'm losing my, my, my shoes. But with this guy, yeah. and then with this guy, they're like five hours walking. So we walk like 20 kilometers in Stockholm. And it was extremely interesting to listen to him and to listen about his life. Mm. So sometimes we make, uh, we thinking like, oh, because this guy looks this way, it has to think that way, right? That's not true. I think we should, we, we're human beings. We're here to connect to each other. And my recommendation is always try to talk and then learn something from someone because you, you're going to learn something. Absolutely. And just to end, is there anything you would give as a piece of advice to someone starting out on the kink scene or so on? I think everybody, we, we're also struggling, you know? I mean, I'm the first one. Today, I'm going to go to Social Leather here in, in, in Stockholm. And I'm living in Ostermal. It's probably, you probably you've, you've been to Stockholm. So it's quite mm-hmm. like the most posh area, more or less. And I feel, you know, going down the stairs and what happened in my neighbors, they see me in full leather. I also remember when I went to New York to pick up my leather in August. And then I, I sent all my language to my friend in New York because I didn't want to pay taxes to, to Sweden. Mm. So it was an opportunity for me to travel to New York. And then this guy, when I put all my letter on, on, the, on the toilet and then came out, he told me, because I know you, otherwise I will be scared if I meet you on the street. Uh, I would say, you know, try to be confident in yourself. Try to be also surrounded by, you know, not to go alone to those places. I would say just, I remember the first time I went to New Action, I was with, with a guy I trust trust him. So then we went together. So then I, I don't feel like what I'm going, what I'm doing here, right? And it's also, we're human beings and we're here to explore, right? So just exploring is making, getting to out of the comfort zone. And that's, that's, I think that's beautiful when you get out of your comfort zone in life. That would be my advice. Absolutely. And, and also a shout out to SLM Stockholm. Um, I remember the staircase. Um, it is a little bit like when you go in the first time, it's a bit intimidating because yeah. you're kind of going down this corridor and it's, it's not a steep staircase. It's quite an elongated staircase down. But just how have you found, just to end on the last question, how have you found the club in Stockholm? I, my experience with the members there, they're all very friendly guys. Yeah, I mean, today I'm going to go to this letter social to, to meet them and to socialize with them. To be honest, I've been to SLM maybe three, four times in my life. It's a little bit hard for me, you know, to have sex in, in a public place. Uh, mm. I, I'm not this type of guy. Um, but tomorrow, for example, another friend, he invited me to a party, like a rave party, and you have to be in leather into that into that party. It's also with women. And I said, yeah, let's, let's, let's you know, it's also getting out of, of, out of your comfort zone to grow. Mm. Maybe I'm not so comfortable going there at the beginning, but that, that this is, you know, I need to push myself to try new things. So that's when I go to, to, to that party and then, you know, to have fun and to meet other boats. So. Well, th- this is the thing is, is just because you go to a place where you can have sex, you don't actually have to. No one's forcing you to do have sex. For me, I when I go out, I tend to be much more social than going to the dark rooms and so on. 
I'm not saying that I don't do that. I do on occasion do dabble with going in there and I enjoy it. But like you, I, I more enjoy the social aspect of it. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I really enjoy sex one-to-one and having fun with that person and just focusing on that one, mm. not to try to keep people out of like- what, what is people off. It's like, leave me alone. I'm focusing on this person. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's absolutely been a joy to talk to you. Vivian, thank you very much for your time. And I we we I probably I, I hope we can meet once in person. That would be really, really lovely. Um I, I'm overdue a visit to Stockholm any at any point because it's been over a decade since I've been there. So I mean I, if you come to Stockholm, you just uh, let me know and then we, we have a beer together, okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Non-alcoholic beer. Of course, of course. <laughs> but thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. See you. Okay. And that was this week's episode uh, of Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play. It was absolutely lovely to talk to Miguel. And uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.